Hello and welcome to Peaceful at Heart. My name is Cedric Martin and I'll be your host. Each week we're going to take a closer look at the book Peaceful at Heart, Anabaptist Reflections on Healthy Masculinity. We'll dive into the chapters, hear from the authors, and think a little bit more about what healthy masculinity looks like in our modern context. Joining us today is Ugo Sausedo. Ugo, thank you very much for joining us and, and writing this chapter so we can discuss it today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, doing good. It's a nice sunny day. Uh, I, re I really appreciated your perspective and your approach to your chapter. Uh, in the very first paragraph, you mentioned uh, that you've been battling with my masculinity and what I believe it means to be a man. I think that resonates with many people. Uh, since writing your chapter, have you discovered any clarity or, or any strategies for yourself? Um. I'd love to tell you yes, but I don't know that I have. I, all, all I can really say is that um, I find that it is just something you do every day uh, in the sense that, um, you, you know, I, I, I engage people. I'm, I'm a principal at a middle school, so I'm, I'm engaged with, with young people, especially and with my staff in a manner that I, I have, I'm always reminded that um, my... Um, aura, if you will, or perspective, uh, is always going to be watched and it's always going to be, and it's important that I, I don't, um, put people off. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm very conscious of the fact that I have, um, a duty to be a, a role model to a degree and that, um, and I also have a duty to understand, um, the, you know, my role, um, but not just, you know, my role as a principal, but also my role as a, uh, a father, a, a role, my role as, a, as somebody that, um, you know, I'm in education because I, because I like kids, um, and, you know, somebody that tries to, uh, approach them in a manner that is going to be life-giving. Uh, and so that's, that's something that I, I have to remember. And part of that is, how I carry myself. You know, I, I, I have two administrators uh, who are, uh, who I supervise. One of them is a, a man and the other one's a woman. And um, he's a pretty macho kind of a guy. Uh, and I've had to really change, uh, I've, I've had to coach him uh, and change that, uh, that aura, if you will, because it, it's really, really off-putting for a lot of people. Um, and that is what gets talked about instead of what's really important. Uh, and so, you know, from that perspective, it's, it's, it's literally all the way down to my livelihood, you know, in terms of how I approach masculinity and how I, um, you know, the little things I have to do every day, um, to make that happen. And, and it's, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about consistency versus impact. Um, you know, and, and I really try to be very consistent with those things. Yeah, absolutely. I, when you were saying that I was getting a picture of like sort of the, the marathon image or thinking about it as a, a lifetime of, of masculinity, as opposed to one individual accomplishment that we're reaching for. Thank you. Sure. Sure. And you know, uh, a good example of that, for example, um, I, I love the color pink. It's just one of my favorite colors. And so I tend to wear a lot of pink yeah. um, throughout the day. And, and a, a lot of times, and it, it's, it's really interesting how, how our, how generationally, different uh, generations that I work with, you know, whether it's the kids now who are, you know, between 11, 13 years old, my, some of my te younger teachers who are in their early twenties or some of my more veteran teachers, um, 
or staff, um, when they see me wearing pink, I get different, different, um, um, reactions, you know, uh, the older generation tends to be like, Oh, you know, you're brave today. You know, you're wearing pink. I'm like, well, you know, it's one of my favorite colors. Um, and, and, uh, or, or the, or the, you know, my, the students tend to be like, Oh, you know, that's a nice shade. You know, you, you look really good in that or whatever, or, or, or don't even make a comment at all. Right. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's not important to them. Um, you know, so that's, that's one of those things that, that I think tends to be, uh, um, still a holdover, certainly of certain generations in terms of what perception of what it means to be masculine. Absolutely. Or, or what masculinity looks like. Yeah, for sure. Now, Ugo, in, in your chapter, you mentioned that women helped shape your views about masculinity uh, and also gender inequalities, uh, especially as you'd cook together in the kitchen. Uh, I, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, you know, I've always loved to eat, uh, and, and it's, uh, what better place to be than in the kitchen. And so growing up, um, I didn't, I, I don't come from a large family. Um, you know, I, I have a brother and a sister and I only have two or three cousins, uh, that I really related to. Uh, but you know, we spent quite a bit of time together and most of the time I spent it, uh, with my mom or my grandma and in, in the kitchen getting dinner ready or, or, or whatnot. And, and it's, it was one of those, I don't know, it was one of those times that I was able to not just, I mean, I was there for selfish reasons. I was there cause I wanted to, to eat, right. Or, or to sample food or whatnot. But I ended up realizing later in life that um, it has really impacted the way I look at relationships because um, I'll give you an example, uh, going back to what I do as a, as a principal, every faculty meeting I have, I make sure that there's a meal uh, because I have rarely seen anybody upset at a, at a good meal. Um, and, and I, and I, I really take advantage of that and I do my best to make sure that I have a hand in some of that meal. In other words, I've made, you know, cookies or I made, uh, you know, the, the main course or whatever to make sure that, that, that I inject that into that because I want them to understand and know that for me, food is very relational. Uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's something that I show you that I care about you. I've taken the time to make something for you. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I learned that from my, from my grandma, from my mom, from my aunts, that, uh, food is not just something that nourishes your body. Uh, food is something, it's a, it's a language literally that shows you that, uh, that you love somebody or that you care about somebody or, or that you sometimes that you're angry with them, right? Cause you might overspice the food. For example, uh, I remember my aunts used to do that all the time. Like when they were mad at their husbands, they would put you know, more spice in it than they, than their husbands would like, or when, or they would put too much salt or something. Um, so little things like that, um, uh, you, you've got to be really, uh, you know, conscious of that as a love language to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd say that food is a love language for me, too, so I can resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I appreciated how willing you are to, to open up, to, to share about your personal struggles with mental health in your chapter. The story of your daughter teaching you to release your emotions is a powerful one. What, what change needs to happen for men to be able to share what we're feeling? Mm. Well, I think, you know, obviously we're all different. Um, and I think that for me, you know, my, my personal experience, um, I think of my, the men in my life, I think of my brother, my dad, my, my son and myself in particular, cause you know, the, 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 that's kind of the core of who I, who I, um, know or emulate to be men. Um, and we each have a very different journey. Um, now, 
in my journey, uh, you know, I mentioned, like you said, my daughter really helped me kind of come out of a lot of uh, that inward turmoil. And I think a lot of it had to do with just my desire, my deep, my true deep desire to um, just be released from all of the anguish that was going on in my head. Uh, and I think that, you know, to a degree, it's it's a societal issue in the, in the sense that because I'm a, I'm a man, quote unquote, um, I have to provide, you know, X for my family. I have to um, <clears throat> be the head of the household. I have to make all the decisions. I have to do X, Y, Z. Um, and and that, that for me, you know, was not necessarily the issue. The issue had to do more with the fact that, you know, growing up, um, I never really had a good outlet or understanding of what, how to express those, those feelings. Um, and, and typically what ended up happening was uh, a violent response, you know, you know, from my dad or from my brother or whatnot, um, that then led to me having, you know, anxiety that led me to have, uh, which, which then led me to be angry and, and whatnot. And it's just a cycle. It's a, it, it's a vicious cycle. And I think it's something that, um, you know, at the at that time and space with my with, with with my with my daughter, it was more of a an opportunity for me to live in that moment and and really uh, come to better understand um, what was really important. Uh, and and in order to continue that relationship, I had to change something and continue all relationships really because you know at that time, you know during that time period, I, I I would I would venture to say that most people that knew me um, didn't really think I was that great of a person. Um, mm. and so there was definitely a time when, when, when there was a, a definite, um, visual, visual, um, change. Uh, but then of course, you know, that I, once it was confronted, then I was able to have a little bit better, um, control of it <clears throat> and willingness to, to get a little bit more help through that process. Yeah, for sure. So ultimately it's, it's, there's a societal problem, but we really need to make sure that we're supporting one another uh, so that that change is, is an option. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, a lot of that also has to do with, um, <clears throat> well, you know, like, as I mentioned, you know, women really taught me how to be a man, <laughs> not, not men. Uh, and I think a lot of that had to do with my, uh, the witnessing of um, really, I mean, I, there's no way to, to sugarcoat it, the abuse of women in my life. Uh, and, and that really, that really impacted me, uh, uh, profoundly. And, and, and it made me think that, you know, if this is truly a cycle, then it's got to end here with me. Um, because I, I, I cannot imagine continuing that, that kind of process. And I think, you know, to be, to continue that would have been to divorce myself of responsibility, uh, and in, in essence, you know, die as, as a, as a human, <laughs> Because I would have been dehumanizing, uh, you know, these these people in my life that um, I really cared for. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's sort of a communal thing and not just a masculine thing, which I guess kind of leads into my next question: is what what role can masculinity play in in your own faith or within the church? You know, I think that going back to the, you know, the traditional gender norms or whatnot, you know, for example, signing on to, to this Zoom right now with you, I noticed you have pronouns on your, on your name. I'm going to be really honest with you. I really, truly don't understand the whole pronoun conversation right now. Uh, but 
I respect it. I, I know it's important to some folks. Um, I'm not going to challenge it in the sense I'd rather just listen, take in, hear, um, and, and better understand it before I really even make a comment about it because I really, I truly genuinely don't understand that, that process. Um, but I do want to, but I do want to, I do want to understand. Uh, and, and I, and, and, and I think part of that, you know, going back to what you just mentioned about what it means to be a man in, in the church is having the patience to ask those questions that you have, because mm-hmm. too many times we uh, men uh, tend to uh, negate the fact that we have quite a bit of privilege. Uh, even, even men of color, you know, uh, like myself have more privilege than, than most women. And, and, you know, we are looked at as the pe- the people to, to lead. Right. Uh, you know, my, my dad and I, one of the things we have in common is, is, is we both love baseball. Um, and I remember one time I took him to, a, a, we, I took him to Chicago cause he loves the Cubs and we went to go watch uh, the Chicago Cubs. And, uh, one of the announcers was a woman and he, but he got so angry. He's like, what's a woman doing <laughs> announcing this? And I'm like, you know, it was not a big deal with me, but you know, I think, you know, when your world is such better to a degree, uh, you know, you, you start to have that kind of visceral uh, response. And I think the church is just like that as well. You know, we see that with, uh, with women in leadership uh, and we see that with, uh, you know, whether or not, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, what the role of, of, of the man truly is and whether really we are the head of that house or not. Um, and, and I think that for me, it, it really has to do more with <clears throat> what's more important to me is, uh, again, having the, the, um, the, the willingness to stop and ask questions and understand before you really jump into something uh, and, and frankly make a fool out of yourself but also put your, you know, throw yourself out uh, of that conversation because, you know, I, you know the, you know, going back to the pronoun conversation, that's a big thing going on in my, in my, for my middle schoolers. Uh, you know, I had an incident here a week ago where my, one of my counselors who is older than I am, she's a, you know, a little bit different generation, uh, refused to call uh, or use a pronoun for, for, for one of our female students. Um, the female student used the they pronoun and she refused to do that. She's like, no, you're a girl. You're a girl. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call you what I, what, what you are. And so, but that totally destroyed that relationship. And, and, and the possibility of any type of uh, mentorship, the, the possibility of any type of, uh, of advice uh, that that child would be willing to even listen to. Um, and, and, you know, and for the counselor, it also destroyed her opportunity to grow and understand uh, in, in, in those things. Um, and, and, and I was honest with her when I, when I had my conversation with her follow-up. I said, look, I don't understand it either, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm happy to listen and I'm happy to learn and 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 until I, I feel like I've really gotten the information I need um, to to uh, talk about it, then I will. You know, I'm not saying that my pronouns are going to change. That's not what it's about. It's about me understanding, you know, why somebody else uses the pronouns that they do. Yeah, absolutely. And and I hope that the the church can be a space for for asking questions and learning together and um, figuring out what what masculinity or femininity or uh, what what all that means for us uh, as a community, as individuals too. Sure, for sure. Hugo, we're, we're just about out of time here. Uh, I want to thank you for, for spending your uh, time with us. But before we do go, do you have any sending thoughts for us? Well, you know, um, I guess uh, I'll just say that, you know, my contribution in this book was very cathartic. Uh, and it was an opportunity for me to um, reflect on a period of time, well, 
the period is still continuing to be honest with you, um, that, that, uh, was instructive that could have gone in any direction really. Um, but, but that I'm thankful, um, keeps me, um, humble and it keeps me thinking continually, um, what it truly means to be a man, what it means, what masculinity really is and how I can, um, um, be better, uh, suited to, um, really contribute to society in a way that's, that's life-giving. Um, and, and that gives me an opportunity to mentor, um, others in, in that process. Um, you know, in my, in my role as a principal, I actually have uh, a couple of interns and well, I have one particular, she, she's a female intern and I know some principals that won't take female interns, uh, some male principals that won't take female interns. Um, and I think that's totally ridiculous, um, because, you know, and I'm going to be honest, I think I've learned more from her than she has from me, uh, uh, frankly, um, and, 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 and you know what a what a what a loss it would be if, if we would if we don't take those those opportunities right. And I know that we live in a in a in a time that um, you know uh, is perceived to be uh, challenging for men, quote unquote. Um, if you're not a jerk, you're not going to have any challenges, <laughs> in my in my opinion. Uh, if you're if you're if you're willing to um, listen and put yourself out there and not jump to conclusions, uh, you're going to be just fine. And if and if you're not uh, if you're not going to uh, uh, be willing to do that and kind of continue going into this uh, traditional macho role of what it means to be a man, um, then then you are going to have a lot of issues uh, in any avenue of society, um, which you know to me is too bad because we do again you know we lived in a, we live in a very polarized time as well, um, and I would rather spend my time um, finding a way to meet people in the middle versus polarizing myself to the ends. So that's, uh, that for me, this whole journey, this whole, this, this chapter, uh, and then some follow-up things that I've been doing, uh, uh, through other publications have really helped me kind of get there. Very good. Thank you, Hugo. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Have a great day. Thank you. Peaceful at Heart was recorded in the city of Takaranto, the land covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. This is the Dish with One Spoon territory. The Dish with One Spoon is a treaty between the Anishinaabe, Mississaugas, and Haudenosaunee that bound them to share the territory and protect the land. Subsequent indigenous nations and peoples, Europeans, and all newcomers have been invited into this treaty in the spirit of peace, friendship, and respect. We all eat out of the dish, and all of us that share this territory with one spoon. We want to acknowledge the ancestral lands and waterways of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Seneca, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. Takaranto is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We wish to thank them and any other nations who cared for this land. Colonization is a continuing form of oppression, so it is important that we acknowledge the lands and digital spaces that we are holding and taking up. We remember the acknowledged and unacknowledged, recorded and unrecorded, past, present, and future. We are all treaty people. Peaceful at Heart was produced and edited by myself, Cedric Martin. It was made possible thanks to Mennonite Central Committee, Mennonite Church Eastern Canada, Be in Christ Church of Canada, Theatre of the Beat, and of course, by Mennonite Men.
To find more resources, head to MennoniteMen.org.